Hi, and welcome to the Tennis Coaches Notebook, a weekly podcast for coaches, whether you're working from a one-court facility or a larger academy. Firstly, thank you to all the coaches who messaged me to say they enjoyed my first podcast. It's a new experience for me, and I certainly see the potential for me to spread lots of relevant information to coaches looking for help and guidance. Now, let's get started on today's topics. Just a few days ago, I was talking to another coach who was having trouble retaining students after he'd spent a lot of time developing them. They were leaving to go and train at other places. There's a saying that your perception is your reality. Now, I want you to ask yourself, what is the tennis community's perception of you? What category do they position you in? Does the tennis community in your area consider you a beginner's development coach or a midweek ladies coach? Are you considered an elite players coach for women or maybe people think you deal mostly with male players? These particular perceptions may be true or false but if people think you're a coach of a particular category these are the type of players that will come to your training. The fact is the customer can only position you in one category at a time So if you are known as a development coach, but actually want to travel and train with elite junior players to ITF events, you need to change people's perception of you by changing your brand. Here are four ways to change your brand and thus change the perception your customer has of you. Number one, it may be true that 80% of your income comes from a type of player you don't really want to coach. But you may have to coach that group because your business can only survive on that income. My suggestion is that you keep the profitable group but separate them from the group you're targeting to do more work with. This can be done in a physical way by having them practice on another court or by having them train at different times. Both ways give your target customer the feeling that things are set up for them. They feel like they're in the right place to train, not like some strangers imposing on others. So my first suggestion is don't mix your target group with your regular group. My second suggestion is that you may need to turn down some work so that you're not looking like a jack of all trades. The worst possible advertising slogan you can use and the worst impression you can give is that you coach all levels from beginner to ATP. Don't make yourself look foolish by using this slogan. In today's world, everybody wants to deal with the specialist. Where do I take my child to learn the basics? Where can I train to make the school team? Where can I go to learn doubles? I think you get the idea. So to summarize, you'll need to choose which work you accept. Don't become a jack of all trades. Number three, you will need to actively change the perception of your niche customer by actually pursuing the type of player you actually want to coach. You can do this by retaining any player you already have before they leave your training in search of another training base. You'll need to create a new progression within your academy and it needs to be different and additional to what you have now. 
You can't expect players to continue their development with you for years to come if the next level is not obvious to them. Number four, my final suggestion is that you have others work with your non-target group while you work specifically with the target group. In this way, the perception will develop linking you with that target group. If you're like me, you're probably on several social media platforms such as Instagram, Facebook and Twitter to keep yourself up to date with all things tennis. For the past year, I've really become frustrated with posts showing drills whereby poor players are given 20 or more balls in a drill or are made to jump over hoops or round cones or hit balls that are totally removed from what they get in a real point. Let's look at some of the crazy stuff we see and I'll explain why these types of drills, I like to call them cowboy drills, are not helpful at all. Many of the drills you see show the coach hand feeding balls from the side of the player. The ball is coming in from a direction that the player will never experience in a match. A tennis player has enough problems handling balls coming from the front. They must make decisions on which stroke to play, judge the speed and coordinate their movement to the ball, just to name a few of the tasks. Hand feeding from the side can be done a few times to help emphasize a technical correction, but its uses are very limited and there are many other better ways to help the player. Another frustrating element of these posts are the drills that take a player to full fatigue and result in a player's technique breaking down and mistakes occurring. Firstly, Points in tennis seldom go beyond 10 strokes, so why practice to the point where the player's technique breaks down? During these drills, the player's percentage of mistakes is quite high, something they can't know because their focus is always on the next ball, not whether the ball is reaching a target. Now we come to cones and hurdles. We don't have cones and hurdles on a court during matches, so why so often during practice? Cones and hurdles have their place in fitness sessions. But let's be more realistic during on-court practice sessions. Many of the coaches who make these posts will say these drills are designed to add pressure to the player, to develop footwork, racket speed, or to increase footwork endurance. All this may be so, but the best way to develop a player in these areas is to do so with each desired element off-court, in a gym, or if it's on court, use the cones, hurdles and overload principle separately without a racket. So if you've been watching these same cowboy drills on Instagram yourself, I encourage you to look past the eye candy and avoid putting your players through unrealistic drills, which can be detrimental to their game. The volley is one of the toughest strokes to teach and perhaps the most technical. Here's three quick tips you can focus on next time you're working on the volley with your students. Number one, the volley is a catch, not a swing. Your goal is to catch the ball and create a rebound effect using the power supplied by your opponent. Encourage your players to eliminate any backswing or follow through and have them catching the ball to increase the control and consistency. Number two, catch the ball with an open racket face. That way the player creates underspin, which again 
helps with the control of the ball, but also gives the player feel for depth with their volley. Number three, volley with a locked wrist. This will increase the rebound effect of the catch and eliminate mishits, which is a problem that comes from players using any wrist movement. We'll cover other elements of playing up at net in future podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Tennis Coach's Notebook. If you have any comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. For more on tennis technique and strategy, go to my Instagram page, Bigger Better Tennis, or email me at pauldaletennis at yahoo.com.